0: Going on, everybody. Welcome to episode 205 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information strategy and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to be taking our first look at the top 24 players being drafted in best ball yes best ball season is underway we're both back in these draft streets and joey i mean how does it feel to be back i know that you've hopped in your first few over the past week
1: yeah i hopped in my first few on drafters and you know we didn't even mention it we have a promo code on drafters right now
0: round of applause for that
1: if you want to join drafters you could join using our promo code dose dose you will get a free $5.55 entry into their best ball championship there's still a bunch of entries available it looks like there will be some potential overlay so if you are interested in joining go sign up with drafters right now and use promo code dose on your first deposit has to be a minimum of $10 but yeah it's good to uh, be back Uh, did three drafts so far. I know you've been grinding these drafts and have way more than me, but just wanted to hop back in, see how this ADP is shaking out and, uh, see what players are getting overvalued and undervalued. And, you know, it looks like a couple players are are being a little overvalued.
0: Yeah. And we'll get into that. I mean, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about these rookie players. We're going to be talking about some of our early targets and our early fades, But I want to go back to the potential overlay on drafters because you said there's some potential. I mean, it's looking like damn near a guarantee to me that this thing is going to overlay because as of right now, when we're recording on April 5th, there are 23 days left. Like Joey said, this tournament closes off entries on April 28th, the first day of the NFL draft. And there are only 2,786 entries into a 10,000 player pool. I mean, that's massive overlay. I can tell you personally from trying to grind these things out that they are filling incredibly slowly. You might get three or four fast drafts per day if you're lucky. So if you have never played on drafters before, I would definitely recommend getting on there. Like Joey mentioned, the deposit bonus with promo code DOS gets you a free entry. I mean, you can deposit $10 and you're getting $550. That's over a 50% deposit bonus. So uh, definitely would hop on that if you're new to drafters. Yeah. So. What are some of your initial reactions, you know, hopping back into in these drafts? You know, you said that there are some players that are overvalued, some that are undervalued. What do you think about just sort of the general flow of these drafts compared to last season?
1: Yeah, I think that these drafts that I've been seeing, uh, people are definitely valuing the top end receivers more than last year. In the draft that we did a couple days ago, my third draft, there was... What 10 wide receivers drafted, you know, before pick 18? So, there is obviously an emphasis on getting those high end elite wide receiver ones this year. Obviously, the high end running backs are going to get pushed up as well. Derrick Henry, CMC, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris now is a top eight pick, which is interesting. I think the field is on the wide receiver train heavy once again. I know that movement kind of got started at the beginning of summer last year, but it's definitely in full effect. Right now, for sure.
0: Yeah, the whole running back dead zone thing is, is very clearly carrying over from last offseason. And you can see that. That was one of my initial reactions when jumping in this thing. Like after round two ends, and we'll talk about the players going in the first two rounds here, mm-hmm. but I think there's just a massive fall off at running back. And, you know, the guys that are going in the ADP range of like 40 to 50. Mm-hmm. Are extremely comparable to me to the guys that are going like eighty to ninety. Like there's just such a massive middle tier of running backs that it really just goes to show how many people are valuing the wide receivers and just hammering wide receiver value in those mid rounds. And I think the same goes for quarterback because people saw last year what the ceiling of a Josh Allen can be and and you know what that's going to do for you in best ball. And I think people are chasing quarterbacks with those upsides. You know we've got five quarterbacks going inside the top fifty five right now. Kyler Murray. Right behind that range. So people are really targeting these players. And I think the fall offs are pretty heavy at all positions, save maybe tight end, which is, you know, always going to have, you know, a sort of stagnant line, I think across the position.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I definitely agree. And obviously, some of These specific players are are getting pushed up boards like Josh Allen and whatnot. You know, I I don't agree with drafting a quarterback in round three. I think round five is obviously where you start looking and considering quarterbacks. Everything else in terms of the first couple of rounds looks pretty solid to me. You know, you have your elite tight end ones going later than last year you know you got two tight ends in in the top 2 rounds Waller Pitts in the in the back end of uh, you know the third round and early fourth round so don't hate that but yeah wide receiver i mean god i'm i'm looking at it right now and you got to draft guys like Elijah Moore and amon Ross St. Brown in in the 5th round now shit's crazy out here
0: it is it is um and those are two players that through about fifty drafts, I have very little exposure to. I just I can't I can't get myself to click the button on, you know, Jets wide receivers, Lions wide receivers with a top five pick. It's (laughs) just it's grim. That that's not good, at least to me. All right, well let's take a look here at the top twenty-four players being drafted according to drafters ADP, just looking at sort of the texture of the board. In terms of top 24 ADP, there are 13 running backs going, nine wide receivers, two tight ends, and zero quarterbacks. I think unsurprisingly, the consensus 101 this season is Jonathan Taylor following last year's, you know, 1,468 yards from scrimmage, 12 touchdowns total. Do you have any qualms with JT going 101? It, it seems to be every single draft that you enter just a lock.
1: Yeah, no, I think JT going 101 is probably the the correct 101. You know, running backs in fantasy that are workhorses obviously are the most valuable asset you can have in, you know, any format of fantasy football. And JT showed last year that he's a complete workhorse with elite upside, you know, 50-point upside. He had a 53-point game against Buffalo, multiple games with 30 plus. So I th- I think he is the correct 101. I think you can make cases for other guys to be drafted there, but JT in terms of floor and ceiling is probably the right 101 at one of the positions that just dies off after the third round.
0: And definitely, I agree, you can make the case for some of the other players, but I think what makes JT the consensus 101 is just the lack of question marks. I mean, the O-line is fantastic. There's going to be no competition for targets. He doesn't have any, you know, coming off of injury concerns like some of the other top running backs, CMC, Derrick Henry, for example. And, I mean, slightly at least, there was a quarterback upgrade. I mean, it's somewhat of a lateral move from Wentz to Matt Ryan, but theoretically, it's, a, it's an improvement, yeah. I would say. So no reason to really debate JT as the 101. I would say the second tier of players that are coming off the board are Cooper Cup and Christian McCaffrey. They're sort of interchangeable as the 102 and the 103. Obviously, Cup is coming off of a historic season where in PPR leagues, he averaged the most fantasy points per game, more than Josh Allen, more than any other player, put up over 400 fantasy points in PPR, just an astounding season. And then Christian McCaffrey, who has arguably the highest upside of any player in the league from a fantasy perspective, but is coming off of two injury-riddled seasons. How are you looking at these two guys, and do you have a preference as your 102 over the other?
1: Yeah, I think, Justin, in terms of positional value and opportunity cost, I think I would rather have CMC for the sole reason that, you know, we, we've been saying it already throughout this pod, and, and that's the running back position just falls off tremendously. And there's not many running backs in this league that can average 25% plus points per game like it's nothing right we saw it in in 2020 he averaged 30 points per game in in his three games that he played small sample size obviously 2019 averaged 29 ppr points per game obviously that was his best season as a pro so we know the upside with cmc and he has the highest upside out of any player in the nfl on a weekly basis in my opinion Obviously, the question mark is, will and can he stay healthy? So for that reason, I probably would draft Cup over CMC, but I think if you're not trying to predict injuries, CMC potentially could be the 101 still, but obviously the last two seasons will leave a sour taste in people's mouths. But again, he's still one of the best fantasy players that we've seen over the last five years in the league, and not just anybody can average 30 PPR points per game, but CMC did, so... I still think you have to take that into consideration a little bit.
0: I agree. And, you know, my default usually in these situations is to fade fear surrounding injuries. I would want to be back in on CMC here. It's just really hard, specifically given. The one-on-one debate versus cooper cup where cup i think is like arguably the safest asset in fantasy i mean we said it all year last year no cup no cash and i don't see anything around cooper cup situation changing just from an offensive environment standpoint i would much rather be matt stafford's primary target in a pass happy rams offense versus you know the, the running back on the carolina panthers who are set to be one of the worst teams in the league mm-hmm. yeah I just think the touchdown upside is limited. Obviously, the workload ceiling is high, and if he gets that same sort of workload, touchdowns aren't going to matter as much because he could be getting, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten catches per game if he's utilized in that way. I, it's just the question marks around him, surrounding whether or not the Panthers. Staff scales back his usage based on the recent injuries, and if they have any fear around it, not so much if we have fear around it. So that's going to be something that we have to keep an eye on. After you get past those top three players, JT Cup and CMC, the next five running backs off the board, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, Javante Williams, that closes out the running backs in round one you know, who are you high on in this group? Who are you low on in terms of the remaining five running backs from round one?
1: I would be higher than consensus on Delvin, who's going as the 109 right now obviously coming off of an injury plagued year i still think he's one of the few workhorses left in the nfl and i've already touched on how valuable that is in fantasy football higher than consensus on delvin i would still have him you know as a top five fantasy player personally eckler obviously great have no problems with him derrick henry as the 104 i mean the dude had like a thousand rushing yards in, in like eight games last year. Uh obviously kind of got an unlucky injury. You know, a lot of fantasy doctors on Twitter said it, it pretty much was just unlucky. Like it, it wasn't a factor of him having a huge workload or, or anything, it was just a, a a misstep and, you know, broke that bone in his foot. I mean, he was able to come back in the playoffs, which is obviously a good sign and He's going to be ready to go and he's a, he's a top fantasy option. So I have no problems with him going in the top five. Just in terms of overvalued, I think Najee and Javante are a little bit overvalued in the first round as it stands. Najee going as the 108 just ahead of Cook. I think one for one, I would rather have Cook better offensive environment in Minnesota. I think Dalvin Cook is a better running back. And I think he has a higher ceiling. And then Javante Williams, just the the concern with them bringing back Melvin Gordon. As it stands right now, he's worth a first round pick. But if Melvin Gordon comes back, I think he should drop to like round three. But if that happens, I would, you know, be in on Javante at a, at a lower price tag.
0: Yeah, you're definitely paying a premium for Javante right now, despite the Gordon situation being really uncertain. Seems to me that, you know, Gordon is going to resign. He obviously hasn't gotten any massive offers from another team. And, you know, if the price tag continues to drop because of that, I don't see why they wouldn't bring him back. He's had a good tenure there so far. They liked him a lot last year, used him damn near exactly as much as Javante Williams. They bring in Russell Wilson, his former college teammate. Because of that, I think I would be waiting to buy right now just because the price tag could drastically fall. And, you know, that would definitely be a buying opportunity if that were to happen. Out of these guys, though, I'm super bullish on Austin Eckler, man. I mean, I've got Austin Eckler as my running back too right now. I think that he has similar upside to Christian McCaffrey with less question marks. He had a monster year last year. He had nine games with 20-plus fantasy points. Some of this, I think, is just due to how bullish I am on the Chargers. I think that they're, you know, a top five team in the NFL right now. I love all of these guys in fantasy you can triple stack Justin Herbert with Eckler, Keenan, and Mike Williams fairly affordably in these drafts, or you know, skip one of those guys, go after Josh Palmer late. Like it's just a lot of stackability with a really high upside team, and Eckler obviously has that mixture of touchdown upside and pass catching ability that makes him a, a really elite fantasy option, and he just doesn't have the injury concerns that CMC and Henry have. So to me, he is the clear cut RB two with CMC and Henry behind him, and the rest of those guys, I tend to just be. Going wide receiver in that spot cook like you said probably the safest of the bunch probably the best running back of the bunch and Mm -hmm. cook would be you know the guy like out of that range and harris and javante not too bullish on at their prices
1: yeah Uh, i'm probably out on Najee and javante as you know top 10 picks austin eckler i mean i could definitely get on board with him as the rb2 he finished as the rb2 last year in fantasy don't have any problems with that. Derrick Henry, obviously great. Delvin Cook, I, I think, is going to have a bounce back year. And they're still a very condensed offense in Minnesota. So that's kind of why I'm higher on Delvin Cook than some of these other running backs, just because you know who's going to get the ball. You know it's going to be Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Delvin Cook. And they lost... Tyler Conklin. They're going to get back Irv Smith, but it's really going to be those three guys that the offense is going to revolve around, and all three of them, I think, can still play, especially Delvin Cook still has one of the highest ceilings at the running back position in general and has a lot of touchdown upside as well. So I already have a couple shares of, of Delvin Cook out of you know these couple drafts that I've done, but if, if he's going to be available late first, I could see myself drafting a lot of Delvin Cook this year.
0: In terms of the other top-tier wide receivers, after Cooper Cup, whose ADP is 1.2, we've got Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase as the wide receiver two and three, respectively. After that, there's a decent gap before we get to Devontae Adams at wide receiver four. You know, you're pretty likely to see Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson go in the top six here. Do you think that the upside of these guys and the safety of these guys compared to some of the other wide receivers... Is worth the ADP gap before you get to the next tier of wide receivers.
1: Hmm. I mean, that's a tough question, and this is this is where you know some people some people might get get mad at me for for this take, but I, I think they're a little too expensive. I, w- I would just have them knock down a couple spots, just because I think from a ceiling perspective, you can get the same ceiling out of you know Diggs, Debo, C D Lamb for a round two price tag, right? And then from a weekly perspective, at best, they're gonna average, what, like 20, 21 points per game, but you can get a wide receiver like Keenan or D-Hop or, I mean, CeeDee Lamb, Diggs, these round two, round three guys that are gonna average 17, 18 points per game. So it's really like, are they, are they worth that extra two to three points per game on a weekly basis for that potential at, you know, a 50-point ceiling is really my question.
0: My answer is yes. I've been drafting a lot of these two guys. Um, I don't know. I mean, God, we saw Jamar Chase have a 50-point game as a rookie. The ceiling is undisputable. He has arguably one of the highest ceilings at the wide receiver position after Cooper Cup, and there's nowhere to go but up in terms of his growth as a player. Justin Jefferson, like you mentioned, it's a consolidated offense, and outside of Adam Thielen, who's like 30 or 31 years old, there's really not much there. So Justin Jefferson to me has, you know, really few paths to failure. He's entering his third year. Back-to-back years with over 1,400 receiving yards. Last year he had 1,610 touchdowns, and I don't see any real indication that that would slow down. And then you look at some of the guys going after him, and you know we're looking at like Devonte Adams, new situation, significant quarterback downgrade, a more spread out offense, at least in theory, with Renfro and and Waller there. I don't know. I, I think that these guys are just a cut safer than the next tier of wide receivers, and I think that their upsides are. I don't want to say maybe significant higher, but I just think that they have more accessibility to them than, you know, guys who are catching passes from Trey Lance in his first year, for example, or you know Derek Carr, or in Stefan Diggs' case, the upside is there, but how likely is he to hit it with the way that the Bills' offense is so spread out? So that's, that's, I guess, my concern. A few weeks ago, I would have been right there with you, specifically on CeeDee Lamb, but the Cowboys seem set on adding people. They were rumored to be in on Devontae Parker, they're rumored to be in on round one wide receivers, so this offense may not be is consolidated as we originally hoped after Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson exited the picture. Looks like Gallup, James Washington, Dalton Schultz, and, you know, whatever other wide receiver they end up bringing in is going to be a potential problem for CeeDee Lamb's target share.
1: Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. You know, I'm still pretty high on CeeDee Lamb, you know, ascending into that alpha receiver one role, like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I would argue that the the competition for targets is weaker in Dallas than it is in Cincy. It, you know, for just talking about Lamb and Chase. But obviously, I think Chase is a is a better player. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously, Jamar Chase is going to grow into a better player than than what he was last year. I think it's still concerning, and you know, I think people are overlooking that he wasn't great. In terms of fantasy last year, yeah, he had the he had the fifty five point game, right? He had six games over twenty points in his sixteen game year, so it's not it's not like he was consistently breaking slates. And I, and I tweeted it out too. I think he had like nine games with thirteen or less points in 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 full ppr just because you know you you still have t higgins there you have tyler boyd you have joe mixon who was a complete workhorse last year you know upgraded offensive line if they're ahead in games they're going to be running the ball more obviously jamar chase is still going to i'm still in on jamar chase for sure but i think people are definitely overlooking the downside of jamar chase and they're only considering his upside
0: I, I hear where you're coming from, but at a certain point I think you might be overthinking it. When on the surface this was a rookie wide receiver who, you know, had 81 receptions for 1455 yards and 13 touchdowns. Yeah, I touchdowns. mean, but like
1: it's it's out of the 1400 yards, 50% of that was in four games. Like the boom weeks are high, but the the floor was pretty low as well. And it, and it's like Not much has changed in the offense. And obviously we expect him to get better as he moves on in his career, but how much more growth can we see from last year to this year? Like, is he is he going to take like 20 more targets away from, you know, the ancillary guys? Is he going to catch more than 13 touchdowns in an offense that has a lot of talented players? Maybe I am overthinking it, but I I think the Jamar Chase hype train needs to settle down a little. Just a little bit. I would have him late first.
0: Okay, so compare him to a guy like Devontae Adams, who is sort of in a tier of his own because Adams is going after Chase and Jefferson, but before the next tier of receivers and Debo Diggs, Hill, and Lamb. I mean, how are you comparing those two guys to Devontae Adams, who, you know, last year or if he was still with the Packers this year, would probably be going ahead of them, but obviously new situation, downgrade at quarterback, downgrade in team environment. I don't know how much you're knocking Devontae Adams for those things, but I think that those concerns are real enough to warrant being behind both of these wide receivers.
1: I think you have to put Devontae behind Jefferson and Chase and obviously Cup. I think you could put him behind Debo as well. Honestly, I would have Debo higher than than where he is right now. Honestly, I might have Debo higher than Jamar Chase. Is that a hot take?
0: Yes, that's a hot take. That's absolutely a hot take. Oh,
1: Debo, Debo had more fantasy points than Chase last year. Debo scored more points than Jamar Chase in fantasy last year in less games and averaged more points. How's that a hot take? And he's getting a hypothetical QB upgrade.
0: I mean, I'll take the under on eight rushing touchdowns from Debo <laughs> 10 out of 10 times. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think that he might get like three or four this year. Like that was insane in terms of the way that he ran. I would be more confident in touchdown regression for Debo Samuel than probably any other player in the NFL.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that that's definitely a fair point, but what if they continue to use him in that rushing role and they don't regress or what if his receiving touchdowns go up
0: i mean if that happens then he's probably smashing a 13.6 adp on drafters
1: i think debo based on last year should be a first round pick
0: well, I mean, you would probably have him in your top 12 then if you're looking at guys like Najee and Javante yeah. is overvalued. I know you're not taking Travis Kelsey Absolutely in, in not. the first round. So, I mean, theoretically, three guys move down for you. Debo is in your first round.
1: Yeah, Debo would be a first round pick for me personally, based on what we saw last year. and. How Kyle Shanahan wants to use Debo Samuel. As it stands right now, he's being a little undervalued. And, and, you know, you mentioned the guys I would have him above Najee, Javante, and Kelsey. I would have Debo all above.
0: All right. Well, speaking of Travis Kelsey, he is unsurprisingly the first tight end off the board in drafts this year. He's going at about the one two turn. You know, you obviously just alluded to not being interested in him at that price tag. The situation is good. No Tyreek Hill. He's clear-cut going to be the number one option in a Chiefs offense. He's going to be Mahomes' top target. But he's a 32-year-old tight end, and you're paying an absolute premium for him. I mean, Mark Andrews is going 10 picks later. You can get Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, George Kittle... Sometimes in the fourth round, Kittle, I've taken past pick 50 in a couple of these drafts. And I just don't know if Kelsey is worth, you know, the pick in the first round. It's just such a hefty price tag for an aging tight end, despite the situation seeming really strong on the surface.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't have to tell me twice to fade a uh, aging tight end in the first round in the, in the top 12 <laughs> picks. Like, you you laid it out perfectly. Guys like Darren Waller, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts are going behind Kelsey in these drafts and going later, you know, I would have a lot of interest in, in Kittle. I think Kittle's being undervalued right now. His situation is the same as last year and could get better if Trey Lance works out. And Kittle was like a round two pick last year. Like what what has changed? You know? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make much sense to me, but yeah, I'm probably fading Kelsey once again this year. Could work out, could not work out. Obviously, fading one of the best players in the NFL attached to the best quarterback in the NFL could be suboptimal, but in, in terms of just the position, you know, I'd rather target some of these later tight ends that can get me 10 to 12 points per game rather than draft Travis Kelsey in the first round. Uh, where I think there's a pretty high opportunity cost when drafting Kelsey, but obviously the edge of having an elite tight end is probably one of the biggest edges left in fantasy football. So you you can make you can make a pros and cons list. For Kelsey and you know, you you can convince yourself one way or the other, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm gonna be full fading Kelsey this year, also because the Chiefs stack as a whole is cheaper. Mahomes price has been falling since Tyree Hill got traded, and the other ancillary options right now in the Chiefs are just they're all affordable. I mean, Juju Smith Schuster going around pick sixty. I like that value. You can get MVS pretty late, so you can get a pretty strong Chiefs stack at an affordable price right now. We'll talk about that throughout the offseason. For that reason, I will definitely have some exposure to Travis Kelsey, but I I would expect it to be pretty limited. I like all the wide receivers we've been mentioning a little bit more, and even some of those back-end running backs like, you know, Cook and And Javante. So we pretty much covered all the wide receivers. I guess the one guy that we didn't discuss is Tyreek Hill, who, you know, goes from catching passes from Patrick Mahomes to catching passes from Tua. He is going right around the mid second round. His ADP on drafters is listed at 16.4. A couple of days ago it was at fourteen. I've seen him fall as far as pick twenty twenty one. I mean, is Tyreek Hill still, in your opinion, belonging in the same tier of players with Debo, with Diggs, with Lamb, AJ Brown, etc.
1: I think just based on what type of player we know Tyreek Hill is, I think you have to at least put him in with these guys just because we know the ceiling is really high. The quarterback downgrade I think is so immense that I would take All three of these wide receivers going behind Tyreek Hill above him, and that's Diggs, Lamb, and A.J. Brown. That's how low I think of Tua being able to support Tyreek Hill on a weekly basis, and Jalen Waddell, and Mike Jasicki, and Chase Edmonds, and Raheem Mostert. There's a lot of mouse... To feed in that offense. I just don't see a way Tyreek Hill pays off this top 15 ADP.
0: I would certainly expect him to be one of the most inconsistent options in terms of these tiers of wide receivers, but I don't see why he couldn't be similar to like AJ Brown, who, you know, is a valuable player in fantasy where he's going to have, you know, a handful of those games where he's putting up 10 fantasy points, maybe even less, but he's still going to drop you those 25 to 30 bombs. On occasion, like is Tua worse than Ryan Tannehill? I don't think so. I, mean, I think
1: so, <laughs> personally.
0: <laughs> de- definitive, definitive coaching upgrade, man. You're just you're a stone cold Tua hater. I think Tua's gonna be a top twelve fantasy quarterback this year.
1: I mean, that's just blasphemous. But you know, we we all have our hot takes.
0: Uh, that's not I mean, even he's that going hot. behind. That's not even that hot. He's going behind Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's probably going to finish ahead of all those guys.
1: I mean, stop it. What? Stop it. Deshaun Watson might outscore Tua in eight games.
0: No, stop, please. (laughs) Please stop.
1: (laughs) Nah, but I I think Tua's a solid, you know, average NFL quarterback. He's not bottom of the barrel. He's obviously a starter in the NFL. And I, I think... Tyreek Hill, like you said, is definitely going to be inconsistent. And like I said, there's a lot of players to feed on that offense that I think is going to hurt Tyreek Hill's upside a little bit. You know, he's never had this much competition for touches in his entire career. You know, over the last three to four years, it's just been him and Kelsey and everybody else has, has been irrelevant pretty much because they've been bad, right? McCole Hardman, bad. Demarcus Robinson, bad. CEH, bad. Darryl Williams pretty average at best so i think he's just going into a worse situation and i don't think there's going to be as much opportunity and we know that opportunity means everything in fantasy football like i said i would have tyree kill below Diggs, lamb and aj brown and i and i think honestly Diggs, who we could talk about i think he is being a little undervalued right now because of his i don't want to say like lackluster but underwhelming Season compared to expectations last year, but he's still attached to, you know, a top three quarterback in the NFL that has an elite ceiling in 2020. We saw Diggs be a top three fantasy receiver in the league, and he was only point three points away from Tyreek Hill in 2020 in terms of overall points. I think Diggs is the most undervalued wide receiver
0: I'm right there with you. I mean, I want to be heavy on digs. It is hard for me to draft the Bills wide receiver to 55 picks ahead of their wide receiver one and Gabe Davis, but
1: Gabe Davis might be the most overvalued player in best ball right now.
0: Are you kidding me? Dude, the last time this man took the field, he dropped 200 yards and like four touchdowns.
1: <laughs> I didn't know that meant anything.
0: It does. Oh. It does. It means that he's overtaken Stefan Diggs very obviously as the wide receiver one in oh. Buffalo
1: copy i'll ju- i'll adjust my rankings
0: as you should as you should all right a couple more running backs closing out this mid-range of the second round we have joe mixon who's going a little bit ahead of these guys he's kind of like right before that tier of wide receivers we discussed then you got the wide receivers and then we're looking at you know alvin kamara nick chubb deandre swift and i really like this tier to be honest with you i mean alvin kamara deandre swift seem like super stellar picks in the mid-second round. If you take a wide receiver, you know, say, you know, JJ or Chase or Adams or Debo in the first round, and you come around and get these guys, I mean, you have a ton of reception upside in your RB1. And if they're your RB two, I mean, you're set. You don't even have to look at running back for another six to seven rounds, and you can just load up on wide receivers. The touchdown upside is there, the reception upside is there. And I'm I'm really finding myself drafting a lot of specifically Kamara and Swift just for that reception upside on a full PPR site like drafters.
1: Yeah, I think I think they're fine picks in in round two. Obviously, there's a risk of suspension with Kamara with his battery incident in Las Vegas. Bro,
0: I keep forgetting about that. Then like so many stories <laughs> in the offseason that I literally <laughs> forgot that happened.
1: Yeah, where, uh, you know, he beat the shit out of some guy. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> But so obviously there's a risk there, and I think that's kind of baked into his ADP as it stands right now because why would he be a mid second round pick if that wasn't baked in? Don't know. And so I'm in I, I would be in on Kamara obviously, has an elite ceiling, has great weekly upside because of his pass catching ability. And, you know, if you could guarantee me that he plays sixteen games, I would have him in my top five. You know, like he yeah. he'd be of top seven pick for me swift obviously a lot of ppr upside obviously the downside is the lions offense and and i think injury concern was swift 2020 he missed three games in 2021 he missed what four games or three games mm-hmm. so obviously there's that concern but i'm not too concerned about it i think the offense just in general is my concern the offensive environment, but the Lions low key got some players. They're really just a quarterback away, or and, and maybe a, another wide receiver. But you know, they got Chark, Hawk, Swift, Amon Ross St. Brown like they, they got some talent.
0: They do just wait till Malik Willis gets drafted, uh, you know, second overall. I mean, and be cooking with gas.
1: Maybe, but Swift. I don't mind him. I th- I think I would have Swift below Fournette and Kamara, just because offensive environment in Detroit. But yeah, I th- I think this round two tier of running backs is is really good. Kamara, Fournette, Swift, Aaron Jones. Even the the running back that I would fade is Nick Chubb.
0: I'm glad you said that because I'm on the same page, and it pains me because our friend James Brimacombe, aka Eagles, one of the sharpest best ball drafters out there, has been on the Nick Chubb train all offseason. I'd actually love to have him on the podcast again this year to explain that. But, you know, he's taken Chubb to my knowledge, ahead of Kamara and Swift and Fournette and Jones. And I'm just confused about why, because it's pretty clear that he's never going to have that pass catching upside. Even if Kareem Hunt gets hurt, they've shown a willingness to just plug Dearness Johnson in there. It just seems like, you know, compared to all of these guys, he has the lowest potential to be a true workhorse and the lowest potential to make any sort of meaningful impact in the passing game. Obviously, from a pure talent perspective, Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the league, and With Deshaun Watson entering the fold, this could be the best offense by far that he's ever been on as a pro. It's just with the lack of pass catching upside, with the lack of workhorse ability, and with the uncertainty around how many games Deshaun Watson's actually going to play and what their quarterback situation is going to look like for the first half of the year or longer, it's just hard for me to justify taking Nick Chubb at his current ADP when you can wait a few picks and get guys like Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette. And speaking of those guys, I mean, I think that comparative to ADP, they should be right up there with Kamara and Swift. You know, Fournette was a top five running back in terms of fantasy points per game last year. The Bucks lose Rojo. They re-signed Gio Bernard. Gio's the only other back there besides Keyshawn Vaughn. He's ancient, old, dusty. Keyshawn Vaughn is essentially a bust at this point. I think Fournette dominates there, should have a ton of work out of the backfield. And Aaron Jones has some pretty significant splits with Devontae Adams out of the lineup, who's obviously not on the team anymore. And I think that Aaron Jones could have one of, if not his best years as a pass catcher, he's probably Aaron Rodgers' top target at this point. I mean, he's, he's significantly better than the rest of their options unless he's going to be throwing to, you know, Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon all year.
1: Yeah, as it, as it stands right now, I think Aaron Jones is, is probably the most undervalued running back in the top two rounds Mm
0: -hmm. I would agree
1: I think you could definitely make a case to have him at the top of round two early round one you know where Javante Williams Travis Kelsey Debo Samuel are going you're spot on with the fact that this could be Aaron Jones best year as a pro in terms of receiving and I think they're going to use him a lot out of the backfield you know he's their most talented player on offense besides Rodgers by far. You know, AJ Dillon can also give you some in the passing game, which we saw. I think we fully expect him to be like the the grinder, but Aaron Jones, he's going to be used a lot in the passing game. And as it stands right now, his ADP is twenty-four, uh, right there with Fournette. And I, I think both of those guys are being completely undervalued right now. And, you know, I, I would have them above a lot of these guys in the second round.
0: I mean, I think that Jones' ADP is going to rise as people sort of start to realize just how much upside he has as a pass catcher and especially near the goal line. I mean, he's been one of the highest upside touchdown scorers in the league for several years now and, you know, DeVonte Adams is now gone who was like the primary red zone option. So, I mean, Aaron Jones, didn't he? What do you have like 20 touchdowns a couple of years ago? Yeah,
1: Jones I mean, he's shown he's an elite touchdown scorer. Wasn't he like a top second round pick last year with Devonta Adams? And now he's being drafted as like a, a bottom second round, early third round pick. That doesn't make too much sense.
0: Yeah, no, it it definitely doesn't make sense. I mean, his rushing came down quite a bit last year. I mean, 2019, 2020, he had over a thousand yards in each of those seasons. He didn't crack 800 Last year I think maybe people are concerned about what role AJ Dillon is gonna have. And don't get me wrong, I actually like drafting A.J. Dillon. I think he has standalone value and I think he has that same sort of, you know, league winning value if Jones were to ever go down in the same way that I, I was targeting guys like, you know, Daryl Henderson, Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, et cetera, last year. So I I do love Dillon, but from a receiving standpoint, Jones, 68 targets 2019, 63 targets. 2020, 65 targets last year. And I think that that is going to be, you know, up towards the 80, even potentially 90 range. And he could be one of the top five running backs in the league this yeah. year. Aaron Jones, every time he falls to the third round, if I'm on the clock, that's a huh. snap pick.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, it's, it's really just on drafters because it's full PPR. So obviously we're going to target the running backs who can catch more passes than the running backs who can't. Uh so obviously the strategy changes a little bit when you're looking at underdog or some other sites that aren't full PPR. Maybe that's why Chubb gets pushed up a little bit in those formats, just because receptions aren't as valuable. But on drafters specifically, I think Aaron Jones and Kamara and Swift and, and Fournette are very good picks. And I and I think they are very safe as well, just because all four of those guys are going to see a lot of volume in the passing game. And obviously that's very very valuable on a full PPR site like drafters.
0: Couldn't agree more. I think that that's about it as far as the top 24. I feel like we've covered everybody with a decent amount of depth here. And yeah, I think that's going to be it for episode 205 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey is at DFS. If you guys want to connect with us, stay up to date, get some exclusive content, you can join our free Discord channel. The link to do that is in the description of the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Vibes.